together. An interview series exploring the possibilities of cross-architecture development with those who live it. I'm your host, Nicole Huseman. From natural language processing and image and object recognition to autonomous vehicles, fraud detection, medical diagnosis and treatment, and much more, deep learning applications surround us. Deep learning technology isn't new. It emerged in the 1950s, but increased processing power, massive amounts of data, and the development of more advanced algorithms has led to its rise. Google and Intel are working together to accelerate deep learning applications. Here with us to talk about this collaboration is Pinpon Goenentagun. As senior software engineer at Google, Pinpon is focused on applying high-performance computing techniques to help accelerate machine learning applications, primarily through tuning TensorFlow. She leads TensorFlow's performance optimization collaboration with Intel. Hi, Pinpon. Thank you for having me. And Ramesh. As principal engineer at Intel, Ramesh works on machine learning and deep learning performance optimizations. He also has deep expertise in computer vision-based applications, as well as compiler and optimization tools. Thanks for joining us, Ramesh. Thanks, Nicole. And nice talking to you, Penpon. Nice talking to you, too. We're excited to hear how deep learning is advancing and what's on the horizon. I understand you're doing some incredible work to optimize TensorFlow. Yeah, so TensorFlow is an end-to-end -end open source machine learning platform. We have a rich ecosystem of tools and libraries that let bot researchers push the state of the art in machine learning and also for developers to build and deploy machine learning applications. In our collaboration with Intel, we actually work on two perpendicular efforts. So the first one is optimizing the vanilla TensorFlow, and the second one is to make another build for Intel-optimized TensorFlow, or what we often call TensorFlow MKL. Both of the builds use one ENN to some extent to help optimize the performance. We can start with the vanilla TensorFlow first. So most expensive ops in neural networks are matrix multiplications and convolutions. And TensorFlow originally used Eigen to do that. Eigen has a fast matrix multiplication routine to compute any matrix multiplication or convolutions. It actually splits those computations up to just too many smaller matrix multiplications and just call that single optimized multiplication routine. But then that routine has a few downsides. It doesn't have as many optimizations for ABX512 instructions, which many recent Intel processors has. And also it can only use the vector instructions that it is compiled with. For example, if the user compiled it with ABX2, it wouldn't be able to use ABX512 either. And that is kind of an issue for TensorFlow because for TensorFlow Python package, we compile it with just AVX flag, just so users will be able to run it in the majority of the machines available today. So it means that before, prior to using 1DNN, the TensorFlow can only take advantage of up to AVX instructions and not AVX2 or AVX512, which is available in many more Intel processors nowadays. So with that, in TensorFlow 1.13, we not really replaced, but we make Eigen call the matrix multiplication routine from 1DNN instead. And this routine is able to use a lot more AVX512 instructions and also has dynamic dispatch, which means it can detect the CPU architecture at runtime and then generate code that is able to utilize all of the available instructions. 
So from what I understand, you took the Intel 1 DNN library and integrated some parts of that into, into TensorFlow, right? Yeah, so in all the TensorFlow matrix multiplication and convolutions, it is calling 1DNN's matrix multiplication routine as a basic building block now. And because of that, even though TensorFlow is compiled with just AVX flag, but because 1DNN has an ability to dynamically dispatch generate code, that's actually can use AVX 512 or AVX 2. And so customers should start seeing improved performance on some of their deep learning models with this change, right? Yeah, so we saw up to 30% speed up by just switching from Eigen matrix multiplication to 1DNN matrix multiplication. That's great. That's fantastic. The next one is the TensorFlow MKL build. So that one actually has many more optimizations that 1DNN has to offer. Because vanilla TensorFlow only just call one matrix multiplication routine from 1DNN, but 1DNN actually has many more functionalities in that. And the TensorFlow MKL actually calls a lot of primitives from 1DNN and we're able to use many more optimizations. This TensorFlow MKL is the default TensorFlow build on Google Cloud Platform. For example, it is the default TensorFlow image in deep learning virtual machine images, in deep learning containers, and in AI platform notebooks. And one of our teams are also using TensorFlow MKL for their development. For example, the DeepLearnet project from the genomics team in Google Health. So DeepLearnet is an open source tool for analyzing DNA sequences. And it is built on top of TensorFlow MKL, which allows it to benefit from a lot of those AVX 512 optimizations that 1DNN has to offer. For example, one of the most compute intensive steps in DeepLearnet is called call variance, which calls a convolutional neural network to classify whether positions in an input genome data differ from a reference genome. And that stage alone could take up to 14 hours on in deep variant version 0.7 on a 64-core Intel Skylake machine on Google Cloud. That was without AVX 512 optimizations, but with AVX 512 optimization from TensorFlow MKL, the running time went down to just 3.5 hours, which means 3x speed ups which for researchers is not just being able to get their results three times faster, but it also means spending three times less cost on getting the results as well. Yeah, that's an interesting project that we work, have been working with Penpon and the team at Google. So for the last three or four years, we've been working very closely to integrate 1DNN components. And last year with the launch of Skylake and then the launch of Cascade Lake, we've seen some significant improvement in performance using the work that we have done. I agree. Yeah. I think we can talk about the two most recent ones, maybe with Cascade Lake and Hoover Lake. So to give a bit of background, deep learning workload is a little bit different from scientific computing workloads in a way that they actually need fewer numerical precision. So for example, in scientific applications, we usually need floating point 64 bits or 32 bits to actually get good results. But for deep learning, a lot of times 16 bit or 8 bit or even lower number of bits is enough. And when we have fewer number of bits means less storage and less bandwidth requirement and also faster compute. In machine learning, there have been a lot of work that is trying to take advantage of using those fewer bits to accelerate deep learning. And I'm a fan of all the hardware support for deep learning exploration that Intel has been adding to the recent hardware. So for example, Cascade Lake has these vector neural network instructions that can help accelerate innate computation. 
for quantization. In our work together, we saw about three to four X speed ups in image classification workloads, right, Ramesh? Yes, that's right, Manpon. Yeah, it's very exciting. We could get the best performance for the model using the VNNI instructions. The VNNI instructions are specifically designed to accelerate 8-bit computation. And by working with Google, we were able to modify TensorFlow to take full advantage of the instructions. And as we move forward, we are adding more instruction sets. This year, we released a Cooper Lake platform that includes special instructions to accelerate the 16-bit data types, also known as pfloat 16. And we work very closely with Penpon and the team to incorporate that into TensorFlow. Yeah, so in in 8 can help with inference, but in training it's a little bit trickier to use integers. So in training, people still use floating point to do it, but we can still use fewer precision bits to do it in training. So what people are doing is using mixed precision by alternating between maybe 16-bit floating point and 32-bit floating point. And the bfloat 16 format is the format that is developed by the Google Brain team that has the same amount of the exponent bits as the IEEE 32-bit floating point formats, which means it has the same dynamic range and was able to cover better weights range than the IEEE floating point 16-bit format. And in this collaboration, users would just be able to use mixed precision right away by just calling Keras mixed precision API. And the framework would just automatically look into the models and see where it could convert the operations to use be float 16 instead of float 32 and do it all underneath. And user would just see a speed up without needing to really change anything. And we ran it with a few different models, right? Yeah, so I think we saw about 1.9x improvement in the performance of different models on Cooper Lake. And then I think one of the advantages of working with 1DNN was that a lot of these instruction sets uh, and the optimizations are encapsulated by the library. So for us to integrate it into TensorFlow using 1DNN was a lot easier. We were able to incorporate this in just a couple of months to add the support for bfloat 16. So Penpon, we have done some work along with Google to be able to take a model and convert it into intake format. So can you talk about how that works with TensorFlow and how TensorFlow can be used for those models? Sure, yeah. So I think for popular models, Intel already hosted some of the models that have been converted and tested by Intel. So customers can just download and use them. But for the custom models that they have, they actually can also just call your Intel AI quantization tool, right? So they just need to serialize the TensorFlow graph definition and then pass it to the tools and the tools will convert it from the floating point 32 format to quantized graph. And then the user will need to feed in some training data to calibrate the quantized model and optimize it and then get the optimized graph and run it with TensorFlow MKL. And I think working with Google, we made this process so simple and easy to use for our customers. And we are continuing to work with Google to make things much easier for our customers to use some of the more advanced instructions that we are adding to our processes at Intel. That was really fantastic to hear about the different ways that the teams at Intel and Google are collaborating. So can we shift this a bit and can you guys talk about what's next, what's on the horizon? So Intel is constantly improving our hardware to make sure AI runs better. And I'm excited to be working on the next generation product. We have codenamed Zapper Rapids. 
Cypheracrid will have a new set of instructions using a matrix operation. It's called the AMX instruction set. And we've just begun collaborating with Google on making sure that TensorFlow is optimized for the platform. We are also working to enable our Intel GPUs. We are working very closely with the Google team to be using the modular TensorFlow technology so we can have TensorFlow working on Intel GPUs combined with some of the optimizations that we're doing with 1DNN and DPC++. And Pond, can you talk a little bit more about the modular TensorFlow and how it's going to benefit the Intel GPUs? Oh, sure. So modular TensorFlow is an effort to let third parties be able to connect to TensorFlow in a way that is more modular. So it means that it doesn't really need to depend on TensorFlow's code. We define a stable application binary interface where everyone is agreed upon and then people just build their applications based on that and connect to TensorFlow through that. That gives the freedom for the developers to make changes anytime they want, as long as they maintain this application binary interface. And the way it's going to work is third-party devices just release their own library and TensorFlow customers can just install those binary and then they would be able to call the device and use it right away. They will see it in TensorFlow. Yeah, that's very exciting. So we are looking forward to being able to do an Intel plugin for the Intel GPUs very soon. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> so Ramesh and Pimpon, where can our listeners go to learn more? So there is an Intel website where we have links to all the different ways you can deploy your solutions using TensorFlow. You can also visit the Google TensorFlow.org website for more information on how to use TensorFlow. You can also follow us on the official TensorFlow GitHub page as well. So if you have any issues or any new ideas, requests for features, you can post it on the GitHub or ask us any questions on Stack Overflow as well. It's been so great to hear how the teams at Google and Intel are helping advance deep learning. Deep learning is such an exciting and quickly evolving space. We look forward to having you both back on the program. Pinpon, thanks so much for sharing your insights with us. Thanks so much again for having me. <laughs> Ramesh, so great to have you with us today. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks. For all of you listening, thanks so much for joining us. Let's continue the conversation at oneapi.com. Until next time. Thank you.